Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? Going great. How about yourself? Good. We are in that sweet spot between the Grammy Awards and Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, my gosh. It's just a wild, wild time in pop culture. I've got many wild thoughts. (laughs) Oh, the nice Rihanna reference. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, sometimes the Grammys and Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how new songs from The Kid Leroy, Zach Bryan and Maggie Rogers, and Pink all debut on the Billboard Hot 100. While Tomorrow by Together notches its first number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, and both Sam Smith and Lil Yachty bow in the top 10 with their latest releases. Plus, we'll be talking all about the Grammy Awards. We've got thoughts. We have thoughts. Wild, we have wild thoughts. Wild, and, wild thoughts. <laughs> and we'll also chat about this Sunday's Super Bowl Halftime Spectacular, where Rihanna will headline the show. What do we think she'll perform? Might she drop a new album on us? Could a tour announcement be on the horizon? So many questions. Well, we'll discuss all of that and more in just a moment. But wait, there's so much more, everyone. <laughs> we also have an interview with John Legend. Just, just John Legend, everybody. <laughs> you might have seen him on the Grammys on Sunday. Um, we actually spoke with him late last week um, ahead of that Grammy performance, and we talked to him all about how he has a new piano version of his latest album, Legend, coming out this Friday. So stay tuned to hear all of that and more in just a second. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, let's do the chart chat. First up, on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, Miley Cyrus's Flowers stays put at number one for a third consecutive week, while Lil Uzi Vert's Just Wanna Rock reaches the top 10 for the first time, rising 12 to 10. It's the seventh top 10 for the rapper and first in three years since he clocked a trio of top 10s at the same time with Silly Watch, Low Main, and Baby Pluto in March of 2020. Next, staying with the Hot 100, Morgan Wallen sends three new songs onto the chart. As last night, I Wrote the Book and Everything I Love debut at numbers 27, 58, and 61, respectively. All three are from his upcoming 36-song album Hmm. titled One Thing at a Time, which is due for release on March 3rd. We actually have a headline on Billboard.com right now that he's already notched seven hot country song top tens from this album when it hasn't come out yet because there were previously released uh, singles. Yeah, there will be more songs than just those three that I mentioned have already come out. Four were previously released. Right, so I wonder by the time the album comes out how much of it will already be out. Maybe that's why it's 36 songs. See, the amount of th- Lucy's he put out that he had to tuck in there. May- I mean, maybe that's it. I mean, his last album was 30 songs when yes, it first came Dangerous, out. the double album. So maybe he was thinking like, oh, I was already going to kind of get around 30 anyways, and I have some loose tracks that I put out, so let's just make this thing, you know. He said, one thing at a time, the triple album. <laughs> I, I, well, he hasn't called this the triple album. He has not. <laughs> All right, well, The Kid Leroy is also back on the Hot 100 as his new single, Love Again, the first single from his upcoming album bows at number 40 
Among the other debuts on the Hot 100 this week is the new collaborative single from Zach Bryan featuring Maggie Rogers titled Dawns, which starts at number 42. That is also, I believe, a loose single. It's not attached to any album, mm. I don't believe. And Pink's new single, Never Gonna Not Dance Again. Oof. Triple I, negative up in there. <laughs> I, I had that screwed up twice in the script already. I was like, never not gonna dance again. Never gonna not dance not again. Never, 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 ever, ever gonna get it. Which uh, dances onto the chart at number 99. Ooh. It's Pink's 35th career entry on the list. And her first actually came 23 years ago when There You Go debuted in March of 2000. When her hair was actually pink. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Never Gonna Not Dance Again is from Pink's upcoming new studio album, Trust Fall, which comes out on February 17th. And she's got a big old tour coming this year, too. Oh, yeah. Man, tour... There's too many tickets to buy. Everyone. Continue. All the divas. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, never going to not dance again. <laughs> it's, it's never going to not be funny. <laughs> was was produced by Max Martin and Shellback, and it gives Martin his 137th career hit Ooh. on the Hot 100 as a producer. Wow. Yeah. Just a few. Just a few <laughs> hits from Mr. Martin. If you'd like to be on the show someday, Max. <laughs> Any day. It's open invitation, Max. Uh, lastly, on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, Tomorrow by Together lands its first number one as the name chapter, Temptation, debuts atop the tally. The five-song set, just five songs on this album, earned 161,500 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending February 2nd, according to Luminate. And that number is largely driven by CD album sales, as the set was available in 14 different collectible CD configurations, which is the norm for most major K-pop albums. We've talked about this all the time. (laughs) Also in the top 10 of the new Billboard 200, Sam Smith achieves their fourth top 10 charting effort as Glow. Gloria debuts at number Gloria, seven. Gloria. Well, <laughs> that's not how Gloria goes. That's not how Gloria goes. <laughs> While Lil Yachty notches his third top ten set with the number nine arrival of Let's Start Here. The latter is a sonic left turn for the artist who has previously been a regular visitor to the top R&B hip-hop albums chart as this new set debuts at number one on the top rock and alternative albums chart, top rock albums chart, and top alternative albums charts. Love that. I've listened to... A chunk of the Lil Yachty album. I have not. I'm, I'm fine to say that I haven't yet. I'd I will, like to. I will freely admit that I'm not like a huge sort of um, uh, knowledge source on Lil Yachty's sure. oeuvre. Yeah. Um, but I actually liked what I heard. Great. I was kind of surprised. Well, maybe this genre shift is uh, more in your wheelhouse. I mean, maybe, but but that's 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 the lovely thing about music and blending <laughs> uh, and mixing of genres. Speaking of genres, should speaking we talk of, about the Grammy Awards? <laughs> the 91 different <laughs> fields of genres right. at the Grammys. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Grammys. So right. the Grammys what went down on, What happened Sunday. on Sunday? Just a few things happened, Keith. Man, I mean, there's... <laughs> To quote Pink, there's never not going to be controversy as, about the Grammys. As we've been forecasting <sighs> for literal years now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Keith Keith made an offhanded comment on last week's podcast about, like, maybe ABBA could win. And to be fair, like, Bonnie Raitt is the one that was the maybe, maybe ABBA could win, maybe Bonnie Raitt could win, and she did. Bonnie Raitt won Song of the Year for Just Like That and Just Like That. Bonnie Raitt wins, and boy, the look on her face when she won— <laughs> She was just as surprised as everyone else 100%. was. 100%. And we love Bonnie. She's a, great. An absolute queen. Uh, the Daily Mail wrote an article with the headline about an unknown blues singer winning Song of the Year. <laughs> I, can't, I have to laugh. They were being cheeky, right? They must have been. They had to have been. Um, so that was Song of the Year. Uh, we've got Lizzo winning Record of the Year. For About Damn Time, which and a, a, a very, very popular song. Very, I, this was my prediction, by the mm. way, for Record of the Year. It's the one and only thing. I got right, but it was my one prediction that um, I thought about, like, when you think of record of the year, it's about the recording, about the production, and that is just such a fun, uh, you know, radio hit of a song. I thought that could be it, and it was. Uh, Also, as she said in her speech, she was the first black woman to win this prize since 1994 when Whitney Houston won. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that was also, um, you know, great. And I'm glad that she brought it up. Wow. Um, And then we have uh, Best New Artist, which went to... Samara Joy. Samara Joy, who is a jazz singer. And I believe you mentioned also in um, one of our podcasts previously, 
about the kind of uh, outsize influence of the jazz contingent oh, in yeah. the Recording Academy. Uh, in the, the New York Times had a story that I've been oft-citing. Um, oft-citing? <laughs> oft-quoting. Um, if you've been following me on social media uh, during the Grammy Awards, I was live tweeting and live Instagramming. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't on video. I was just <laughs> posting my tweets. Um, but I cited how the New York Times wrote that according to their research reaching out to the Recording Academy, there's 11,000 or so voting members. Not all of them vote, obviously, but 11,000 or so voting members. And these members define themselves by particular genre fields. And the biggest contingent of those are people who say that they are pop voters. I think it, I forget what the number is, but it was a high, like 20 something percent. Which is what you would expect. And then I think like, I want to say like 16 percent. Yes, that's jazz. the number from New York Times, 16 percent. So like jazz had a really significant number of voters so that when you think about that and you think about how John Batiste won album of the year last yep. year and you think how Samar Joy won for best new artist And you think year. how Esperanza Spalding, right, you won know, so many years yes. ago. And then you, and then you think like, well, jazz kinds of lends itself to perhaps people that appreciate more sort of Maybe um, uh, uh, music that is created by a fewer number of individuals. They maybe appreciate sort of singer-songwriters. And then you think, oh, that's maybe how Bonnie Raitt had, you know, a way to path right. to winning for Song of the Year. True. Uh, but anyway, that's probably – it's interesting to think about when you think about the Grammy Awards. You don't really think about all these things, about how many voters there are and what genres they are and who they are. You just think – the Grammys did something. It's like, but I actually, have to say, everybody going into this, there was no obvious um, best new artist pick. There was no. not a Billie Eilish. There was not an Olivia Rodrigo. Though there, sh- there could have, should have been, considering bef- like on the big list, Zach Bryan and mm-hmm. Lainey Wilson and Becky G and Dove Cameron were all on the long list, but they didn't make the top 10 vote-getters to make the final top 10. So there was not an obvious pick, therefore it allowed for Samara to come in. And honestly, in this category, I love when somebody you've never heard of wins because that is how a career is created. Yeah. I mean, Esperanza Spalding, we know her name because she won Best New Artist, and she would I would not know her name if she hadn't. And now I'm going to know Samara Joy. And she performed during the premiere ceremony on Sunday. Voice is just absolutely like captivating. So... This is a much deserved win, and it's cool when you actually like see a star created, uh, you know, yeah, on one day. Um, I'm missing one category. Do you remember that one category is? Well, I mean, there were 91 categories. I know, but I'm talking about the big four, the and big I'm, four. I'm purposefully I'm being obtuse. Album um, of the album year. of the year is who, the one. Who won album of the year this year? Was it Renaissance by Beyonce? It sure wasn't. Keith. No. Uh, but so it, Harry, was some, it was someone that I mentioned could possibly win last it week. It absolutely was, and and somebody who I love, by the way, have seen live, love to death. Your quote was, love, love this love, album. Love that album. Love, I do. I really Harry's do love House this album. Is the album we're talking about. That one album of the year. But I, I really, I was swept away in the narrative that Beyonce, it was Beyonce's year. We all were. It was, it was her time. Not only, it wouldn't have been like a makeup call because Renaissance is, is an excellent album. It wouldn't have, it would have been a little bit of a makeup call because she's, you know, been up for it three other times and lost. But I, th- I thought it was going to happen. It, it, it felt... It felt like it could happen because not only was this album a conceptual album, it was a body of work. It sort of told a story. It was very cohesive. It was uh, marketed and promoted as a, a body of work, a a story about kind of, you know, the roots of sort of dance music and, and uh, R&B and dance and disco and dance and, mm-hmm. and house music and dance, all of that inter- intertwined together. And it felt very sincere and meaningful. And on top of that, it actually had hit singles. Yeah. Now, her last couple albums weren't always necessarily having huge pop Singles. No, they've been sort of purposefully on the fringes, and this one... This one had a number one hit in Break My Soul and a top ten hit in Cuff It, which was also a huge viral moment that everyone and their mom has heard. And Cuff It's still climbing over here, too. Yeah, because yeah. she just dropped a bunch of new remixes over yeah, the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I do see, it wonder... Seemed like it, 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 if it, was, if it was going to win, it wouldn't have seemed like it was a makeup. No, but I do wonder, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but I do wonder, and I know this is what Beyonce fans have been asking as well, if we had gotten visuals that really dominated pop culture, 
I've heard a lot of people talking about how Harry and this album and as it was really like had, you know, the pop culture conversation in a chokehold for like months because how long was it? Number one, 15 weeks at, at, on the Hot 100. Long I'm time. almost positive. Um, it was 15. And it feels like there were opportunities for Renaissance to be an even larger moment than it already was. And it was a huge moment. So it's like if had it had dominated more. But it's just like, what does this woman have to do? You know? Uh, record a lullaby album that's unplugged with collaborations, <sighs> and she'll be in her 70s. Oh, my Lord. Or uh, someone sent me a, a DM on social media and said, what if she gets it, since this is supposed to be act one? Oh, yeah. What if, like, there's act two? And she gets it. I'm like, you mean like when Lord of the Rings kept getting nominated every year, but it didn't win Best Picture <laughs> until The Return of the King, but, the third and, part of the film series? And speaking of your uh, social media activity, you talked a lot about, you know, the Recording Academy. It's it's 11,000 people. They're all giving their very separate individual say. And a lot of people might have thought, oh, you know, Renaissance will get the votes. I'm going to put it toward this. Or I'm not that interested. Why is everyone trying to browbeat me, browbeat me into voting for Beyonce for album of the year? I don't want to, et cetera, et cetera. There's 11,000 people with a lot of different uh, motives. 11,000 people also having to pick between 10 nominees. Yeah. And it's literally whichever of those 10 gets the most votes. So unlike the Academy Awards, which has a preferential ranked choice ballot, which is a, a very confusing, but basically when you are voting for the 8 to 10 uh, nominees for Best Picture, let's say, at the Academy Awards, you rank them 1 to 10 when you submit your final ballot. So they go through and they say, okay, here's all of the number you, one votes. Do you have to rank every one? Nope. You could, so you could rank one, one. You could rank four. You could just put number okay. one. Is my it, Thank you, you, you know, for that. You could Appreciate just say, it. here's number one. But it makes, it makes more sense if you put more films on it yeah. because then your ballot has more chances of being useful. Yeah, yeah. Because what they do is they go through and they put into piles all the number one votes for each of the films. If any of those piles of votes gets more than 50% of the vote in total, mm -hmm. that is automatically the winner. Oh, wow. Now. So that, and then they don't count all the two, three, four. Oh, no. interesting. But okay. Rarely oh, does any. teach me, Keith. But, but like the chances of something actually getting straight up 50% of the vote with like number with one that, votes. With eight to 10 selections, that seems impossible. Probably not going to happen. Right. So they go through and they make all the piles. And then they're like, all right, we have all these piles of number one votes. Okay. Which has the smallest number of votes for number one? Okay. This thing over here only has, you know, 2% of the votes. You're, you're not worth anything anymore. We're going to go to what's number two on your ballot. Mm. And we're going to redistribute you to the other piles. Got it. Got it. And they keep doing that until one of the piles gets to 50%. Oh, wow. So what This that, is not what I expected at so all. So what that means is the Academy Awards, something that wins, has the most overall support mm -hmm. with the most maybe one, two, and three votes mm -hmm. on their ballot. The, the Grammys don't do that. It's yeah. just you vote for one, and whichever one has the most votes— which could mean if you t if you look at this and say, all right, what if everyone splits the vote? Well, then you only need like 1,100 votes. God, I would give anything to see the numbers. I, I'm convinced that the 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 number, the gap, the margins between like one, two, three, four in each of these categories for record, song, and album were probably very, very close. Oh God, I would love to see it. I mean, not even Harvey Mason Jr. gets to see it, right? Like, I'm assuming. I mean, no, it's just the it's accounting like, firm Deloitte. Wow. I, I, one last thing. Beyonce also uh, set the record for the most Grammy Award wins ever, winning four new trophies on Sunday, bringing her total to 32. Uh, a lot of, uh, I also tweeted something that uh, got a lot of pickup <laughs> on. I, <laughs> Which, what, what did you go viral for, Keith? I, well, I, um, <laughs> so I, you know, there's so much focus on these big four and there's so much focus on album of the year and less focus on just having the achievement of being nominated, frankly. Right. But uh, other artists who have never won Album of the Year, despite being nominated at least once, Mariah Carey, Madonna, Pink Floyd, The Rolling Stones, Bruce Springsteen, Kendrick Lamar, Drake. That's just off the top of my head. Right. Um, so, and I named more online. And so when you see that list, you're like, well... Not, it sucks. Like, it sucks that Beyonce hasn't won. It also sucks, in my opinion, that 
Harry Styles, Adele, and Beck, uh, who were the last three people to win over Beyonce for Album of the Year, have to seem like they have to apologize for winning. Right. And also not be able, in a way, to celebrate their achievement because everyone is saying, oh, you shouldn't have won. You know, I here's the thing. I don't think it's a you shouldn't have won. It's like that's what a lot of people are saying. No, but listen. So Harry Styles won. He has a great album and he deserves to celebrate that. But you kind of want or expect like when there's such an overwhelming um, conversation around one project that someone would be ready and able to just say, like, of course I'm nominated against nine other crazy great projects. So I'm so I feel so lucky that I won. Like, but like Beyonce is a legend and it's a crime that she has never won. Like I feel like that you can say that, right? Without taking away from your own win? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but we I mean like listen. Uh, you've heard this podcast. I love Harry Styles. He's great. Harry's it's a great, great album. Harry's great. Um, should we move on? <laughs> uh, <laughs> or do you want to keep talking? Billboard.com Billboard has endless coverage of the Grammy Awards, including the best performances of the night, according to Billboard.com. Um, uh, I, I would just like to highlight that if you haven't watched the uh, the 50 Years of Hip Hop tribute oh, performance, yeah. that thing was just Amazing, and I wanted it to be even longer with more people backed in. Well, and I wanted I wanted each of the performances to be a minute long, but you just can't put everyone so in there. Questlove did say when he was talking about this on Monday, the day Questlove after the show, arranged the performance. He was the, the musical together. director of the performance. He said on Twitter Monday that there will be a taped special in August that he's also really running. Amazing. And so when he was asked about like why didn't you include this, why didn't you include this, why didn't you include this, he kept telling people like what. One of the answers is because we decided that we can showcase that person on the August special is one of the reasons why some of the names that you might have expected to be there weren't there, but hopefully we'll be involved in that larger tribute. There there were people that I didn't like I saw the list of people that they had announced and then there were people I'm like, I didn't know this person was gonna be here. I didn't realize they were part of it either. Where'd they come from? And it was so oh god, now I'm talking about it. It was just cool to see sort of everyone from kind of the beginnings of hip hop, you know, Grandmaster Flash and, and and way back in the day, in the 80s and LL Cool J, Ice T showed up. And then you have today with Glorilla and and Lil Uzi Vert and a little baby showed up. So yep. like it was such an incredible sort of cross section. Yeah, like it would have been cool if like Eminem popped in and Dre popped in, but you know, you can't fit anyone in there. And wow, did they do an amazing job. Um, with who they had on hand. Yeah, and I think it's a testament to having Questlove. Questlove. Uh, it's Questlove. Arrange it, yeah. Because if it was just the Recording Academy saying, hi, can we do this? They'd be like, no. Ella Cool J would have showed up. Yeah. <laughs> be like, yes, I've, I've hosted eight times. I'll, I'll be there. All right, um, we should move on. We should move on. We have, this show is too packed, honestly. Um, but let's talk about this Sunday. Last Sunday was epic. This Sunday might be pretty epic, too. Uh, <laughs> on February 12th, Rihanna headlines the Super Bowl halftime show. Presented for the very first time by Apple Music. There's a football game, too, I guess. Uh, Eagles versus Chiefs. Uh, that starts at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Also performing at the game, Keith. Jason Derulo and the Black Keys are headlining the NFL TikTok tailgate. Chris Stapleton is singing the national anthem. Friend of the podcast, Babyface. We didn't <laughs> ask him about this. Is singing America the Beautiful. We should have. We should have. Emmy winner Cheryl Lee Ralph of Dreamgirls and Abbott Elementary will sing Lift Every Voice and Sing. But, like, let's get back to Rihanna for a second. This is her first public performance in five years. I didn't believe that until I read it on Billboard.com. She performed Wild Thoughts, the DJ Khaled song, uh, in 2018 on the Grammy Awards. And then she became nothing but the most successful lingerie and beauty businesswoman who ever existed. And now she's gracing us back as a musician once again. And we need her. It's it's really just it's it's really just a twelve minute commercial for like the Fenty conglomerate. Yeah, well, I mean, let's be honest. There's going to be some sort of Fenty thing going on there, but uh, most importantly, like we're not going to do the full set list. But Keith, are there like one, two, three songs that you need to hear from Rihanna? Like, what's the one you need? I mean, there's all sorts of things I need. Need. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for 
fan popularity, mass market, mainstream, you should she needs to sing Umbrella somewhere in there. Oh my gosh, Calvin just heard Umbrella for the first time. My son, my five year old son, he's like, is he? Is she saying Umbrella? I said yes, and then he just kept singing it all night. Ella, 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 Ella. Ella. That's the power of that song. There you go. So clearly, she needs to do Umbrella for Calvin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Oh, I mean, we found love. Is my number one everything answer. So Umbrella and we found love. And I love Calvin Harris, but he doesn't need to be there. She just needs to put that no. epic beat on and and. And go. So we won't get into all of it, but it does. I, I would contend that if J Lo and Shakira were able to work in so many songs mm-hmm. through basically like thirty second snippets, and even bring in Bad Bunny and J Balvin, I mean, for that matter, there was a lot. <laughs> I think it was great, though. I think Rihanna could probably, you know, find a happy middle ground between like performing two minutes of a song and like ten seconds of a song. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of feel like it's going to be sort of an epic medley of oh, yeah. enormous hit singles. I foresee, like, when she comes out on stage, like, Shine Bright Like a Diamond is just, like, playing in the background. Wait, wait, playing in the background. <laughs> Shine Bright Like a Diamond. And uh, I don't know. Uh, the, I There's so many, there's too many songs, but I'm also, I've been thinking a lot about whether she'll do one kind of ballad moment because, I mean, Stay is such a big one for um, her. She should probably do the currently Oscar-nominated Lift Me Up. Do you think she will? She might not. I think she should because people are going to have it fresh in their mind when they're voting for the Oscars. Yeah, she will. Yeah. Yeah, that'll I mean, happen. Has, have they started voting for the Oscars yet? Don't stop the music. Should she end with that? <laughs> will Drake come out for work? Will Jay-Z come Show out for, for Umbrella? umbrella? <laughs> I mean... It kind of makes sense. All right. Are we getting an we'll, album, we'll do you be, think? Uh, will Beyonce Let's... show up just to show up? <laughs> are we getting an album? I don't think we are. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm like, I'm like 25% on an album. I think if she had said yes to Coachella, we were getting an album. But she mm. said no. I feel like this is a one-off. It's, you know, Rock but Nation. Why? Why? Uh, you know, puts why does together. she have to do this? She does, she, there's no have to. I mean, is who's... Who's paying her? Because like I thought they were not well, supposed to be paid for the Super Bowl halftime. No, show. it's not. Yeah, they actually like they say it's pay to play. Like you basically like you create your own production. But Rock Nation is who organizes the halftime show. They are the ones that book the talent. They're coordinated it in conjunction it, with Apple Music. So really, right, and like, Rock Nation's managed or Rock Nation manages Rihanna. So she's not paying a goddamn cent for this. Like so Rock Nation was like, we got production, just show up. So Rock Nation basically was just like, this is a great opportunity. She's we'll like, why? Why? <laughs> why do I have to do this? Like, just it's a big commercial. We'll write it off as like a work related. You're not wrong about the Oscar. You're not wrong about the Oscar timing, by the way. Like that definitely had to factor into this. Like she knew Lift Me Up was coming. She knew it was going into award season. She knew all that. And uh, she showed up to the Golden Globes, which yeah. means she cares. You know, yeah. that. I mean, she didn't need to show up. She didn't win. She's part of that campaign. So, okay, finally, a lot of times after these uh, Super Bowl halftimes, a tour has been announced. Like, the second after the, it ends, there's a commercial. Apple Music presents the Rihanna tour. <laughs> I think I think that's probably the last thing that will ever happen. Yeah, I think that's because dream. there's It's too crowded. The tour market is too crowded this not year. Not only that, she, like, if we believe that she is rolling in as much money as she apparently has. Yeah. She has zero reason, zero yeah. financial incentive to go on the road and slog it out. When Vegas she ha- residency. When she has, when she, <laughs> she has, a baby. when she has a baby. Yeah, yeah. Like, you think like, well, the, well, Adele does a residency. I'm like, yeah, that's different. Like, you know, in theory, like Rihanna could do a really incredibly priced <laughs> Vegas residency, or she could do pull a Harry Styles and do 15 nights in LA, 15 nights in New York. But like, if you don't. It's, I mean, I keep thinking of that story that Barbara, Barbara Streisand gave an interview to Melinda Newman at Billboard a number of years ago. And Melinda was asking something about, like, why do you tour? She's like, well, you know, just, just because I wanted, like she said, it was something about how she wanted to buy a painting. Oh, my gosh. And it was like she, she, she had her eye on a painting that cost a lot of money, so she needed to go on tour to make the money to buy the painting. Oh, my God. That's so incredible. Like, like, 
we we should like we shouldn't get it like confused that like these artists just like we just love living on the road and like we want to touch our fans it's like yeah there's a little bit of that but it's also like it's a, a slog they need to make money and do you really want to spend time on airplanes and buses and backs no yeah. you she don't doesn't need it you want to you want to like make beautiful clothes and sit at home with your kid <laughs> so yeah I don't think we're getting a tour I announcement so I would be very surprised I. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility if maybe she, when she did the two new songs for Black Panther, maybe she got inspired to maybe do something that was in that same vein. Maybe she was inspired yeah. to, to do something uh, something more. But I, I don't know when we're going to get a full body of work from her again. I think we're going to get a lot of one-off singles here and there when yeah. she feels moved. Okay. Well, Billboard will be in Arizona, by the way. Ooh. So please. Uh, you will they be there? No. No. Not no, me. Right. I won't um, be there either. We, we have... Uh, coverage in Arizona, and of course, we will be very online on Sunday, covering it along with you on Twitter. Um, so, you know, stick with us. I can't believe that we are still going with <laughs> quality content in this podcast. I mean, Grammys to Super Bowl, and now to a guest we have wanted to book for ever. Finally made it happen. Uh, John Legend. We have an interview with the legendary singer-songwriter who is putting out a piano version of his most recent album, Legend, this Friday. So we talked to him about how he kind of took these songs, stripped them back to the piano, which of course is what he's known best for, and what he maybe found out about those songs by stripping them back like that. He also gave us a couple of bonus covers on this new version of the album, one from Sade, one from Simon and Garfunkel, and we talked a little bit about Sade. Keith tried to get a little intel from him about Sade. I mean, I, I, I tried. <laughs> he tried. Um, we also talked to him ahead of the Grammys, so we also tried to squeeze a little bit out about the performance he did with DJ Khaled and Jay-Z, etc. Um, he gave us a little nugget. Uh, you'll hear that now in, in his hilarious, you know, pseudo-past tense. Yeah. Um, but uh, please enjoy our interview with John Legend. I you forever, I'm certain. Cause I still get nervous. Hello to John Legend and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. As we were just talking about, it's a it's a busy week for you. Grammy week. You're performing at Music Cares tonight. You're just announced as a performer on Sunday. You're doing the Beach Boys tribute on Tuesday. You are a busy, busy man. So we are also talking ahead of the release of the solo piano version of your latest album, Legend. And what was it about these songs that you thought would lend themselves to being, you know, stripped back to just you and a piano? Well, I do those strip back shows all the time, like half of my gigs are solo gigs, um, even though we've done the huge production in Vegas, we've done uh, big tours with, you know, like a nine piece band all around the world. Often a lot of my favorite shows are the ones where it's just me on the piano. And I think my fans like it because it strips the songs down to their essence. And uh so you really hear my voice, the lyrics, the melodies really purely. Wendy, my uh, label president, suggested that we do that with this new album. I loved the idea. So we started thinking about which songs I wanted to do. I picked 10 songs from the 24 tracks on the uh, album that I thought would be interesting to hear, you know, stripped down. And then uh, I did a couple covers as well. I did um, Sade, By Your Side and uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Gar Garfunkel, which I've done live quite a bit. So we created this really lovely 12-song album, just me and my piano, and uh, I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Uh, my fans are always telling me they want to hear more of that from me, and so uh, I'm happy to give it to them. You know, when you, when you start working on new music, does it always start with just a piano and then you, you add production, or did you envision you know, these legend tracks with all the bells and whistles. And then now you had to kind of reimagine them just for the piano. It starts both ways. So sometimes I'll start an idea on the piano or maybe I'm sitting with the guitarist as a co-writer and, and he or she will play an idea that uh, uh, inspires us to start a song. Um, sometimes uh, I'll work with a producer and in, and in hip hop and R&B, a lot of times producers will make what we call beats, but they're more than just the, the more than just the percussion. Uh, they're like a full instrumental idea uh, with drums, with keyboards, with maybe guitars and bass and, and several and samples sometimes. So there'll be a more fully fleshed out instrumental idea. And then I'll write the, what we call the top line to that. The top line of course, is the lyric and the melody, the part that's sung by the artist. And um, so 
songs start both ways so they can start fully more instrumentalized and then sometimes more stripped down and then we build up the instrumental um you know i can think of a few examples of some of my favorite songs that when you hear a stripped down version of them they really make you listen to the lyrics more closely yeah. or maybe even can change the entire meaning of a song was there yeah. was there a song from legend that surprised you the most with kind of the new piano version i think the one i changed from the original the most was honey um and i made it more kind of slow i i did it without a tempo and it's just kind of free and a little more jazzy and uh i loved doing that spin on the song it's much different than the original and it feels like really fresh and new and uh, i decided to make that the first track of the of the uh, piano version of the album and then i've done it with other people's songs too like um i do a cover of Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen in my show sometime. And I made it like a stripped down piano version. And I first did that at, uh, well, I did a, a kind of a jazzy version of it uh, on uh, on a late night with Jimmy Fallon with The Roots. And then um, I did a stripped down version of that version when we honored uh, Bruce Springsteen at Music Cares. Speaking of Music Cares, Bruce loved it and, and said I sounded like George Gershwin <laughs> doing uh, doing his song. Uh, or sound, made it sound like a Gershwin song. And um, it was really cool to do such a different take on that song. And then you realize, even though it was kind of an up-tempo pop song for him, the lyric is so beautiful and interesting and, and uh, such a great story. Um, and it's really cool to hear it in that way because it makes you really appreciate the lyric even more and his brilliant songwriting. Um, as I said, I like I have a terrible segue, but I'm like, sometimes the mark of a great song is the fact that you can like sort of rework it into so many different ways where you like you might be surprised that like an up tempo song could become a ballad or a ballad can become an up tempo song. And that's just a yeah. mark of a great songwriter. Well, that's um, what we call a copyright. You know, uh, copyright means that it's the kind of song that people will want to cover and that the covers can take on lives of their own. Um, well, speaking of covers, uh, you, and you already mentioned this, you have a cover of By Your Side um, from Sade on on the new album. Um, you've toured with Sade in the past. Um, so, but I am wondering, you know, why, why did you want to pick this particular song um, for this project? Well, we were batting around ideas and uh, one of my managers loves Sade and she suggested that I try a Sade song and she even suggested By Your Side among a few other ideas that she had. Um, and that was the one that like just stuck out to me and I just kept humming it in my head and just felt like, oh, I would feel really good singing that melody and those lyrics. And um, I sat at the piano and started working it out. And I, I just loved the feeling that it gave me. I love Sade anyway, but this song particularly, I think is really special and beautiful. I love the sentiment of it and I really loved performing it. Just to um, jump in real quick, sorry. I just wanted to say when I listened to it, you really made it your own because I love and know that song well. And it took me through the first verse to recognize that it was by your side. Yeah, the, the instrumental on her version is so distinctive. Like you can tell from right when the instrumental comes in what it is. And so when you hear it in a new instrumental um, manifestation, uh, it's quite, it's quite, quite different. It's a different experience. You love Sade. We love Sade. Your manager Who loves doesn't? Sade. Um, can you put in a word with Sade that we'd all love a new album someday? <laughs> all right. You know she's going to take her time. <laughs> I mean, that's that's all right. We'll wait. But I, we'll literally, wait. I literally was on the last tour, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you'll be on the next one. That, hey. that was that was 12 years ago. Wow. <laughs> um. Well. All right. You have a pair of Valentine's Day shows at the Walt Disney Concert Hall coming up on the February 13th and 14th, um, where you'll hit the stage solo, playing a mix of hits and selections from the new Legend Piano version album. Um, in addition to Sade, uh, I'd love to know if you might be working in some covers of other perhaps love songs or Valentine's Day songs, you know, thematic for that weekend. That's um, a good idea. You know, I'm definitely going to do the Sade song. Um, I haven't decided what else the set list is going to be. I'll write it up. Um, this show is different than a lot of my shows because it's uh, a lot more focused on storytelling. So um, I don't know if you've heard my audible that I did. Uh, it's called Words and Music, uh, the Words and Music series. 
Um, but it was like a two hour kind of mini autobiography mixed with music. So this show won't be as much talking, but it'll be kind of similar in the sense that, um, um, I'll tell a lot of stories from my career, my early life as a kid growing up in Ohio, um, all the things that led to me getting signed and the early years of my career. So, um, I, I love using these kinds of moments to tell more stories and then, uh, and then play, you know, stripped down versions of the songs. Yeah. I feel like I got a little bit of a preview cause I saw you at the El Rey in September And and I literally like thought, oh man, this piano version is going to lend itself perfectly to storytelling. So you obviously already were on that same page. Yeah. So uh, even in the, the uh, poster for the concert, we say a night of songs and stories. So it's going to be both and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun doing it. Do you think that after this uh, Disney concert hall uh, pair of shows that you might take this piano show on the road? We'll do more. It's going to be sporadic since we had a baby and uh, I'm trying to work a little bit what, less. When you're year. busy, like you, when you have a kid to take care of, come on. No more. I'm, I'm, I'll probably like do occasional weekends where we'll go off to different cities and do shows, um, but it won't be kind of a steady tour. Keith, I would love for you to ask about the Grammys that was just announced today. Great. Thank you, thank you Katie. I'll take that. Good, a smooth segue. All right. Well, you were just announced as a Grammy performer today. Uh, we're recording this before people are going to hear it. Um, so since the show that we're doing, we're talking to you now for is actually airing on Tuesday after the Grammys. Okay. Um, um, and now yeah, I, mean, I can trust you not to tell everybody what uh, what we're doing on we Sunday. We are so off the record. This is Tuesday and Tuesday only. Tuesday we only. All tell right. Us, <laughs> tell us all about the excitement. Let me tell you what happened at the Grammys. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I um, was nominated with my friends and collaborators, uh, DJ Khaled and Jay-Z and Rick Ross and Lil Wayne and Friday for a song called God Did. It's an epic song that features one of the most, probably the most talked about verse of the year from Jay-Z. And uh, we were nominated for song of the year and rap song of the year and uh, best rap recording. Um, so um, we're, we performed that song and maybe we won a Grammy or two. <laughs> I hope so. that song. Speaking in the past tense. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the fan reaction to this performance is going to be? Because the idea of getting everybody on one stage is is legendary, basically. It's going to be epic. Uh, I can't wait for people to see it and, and see what we put together. Uh, I mean, everyone is so gifted and so uh, powerful as an artist in their own right. And for us all to be together, that's, that's the genius of DJ Khaled. He's really great at putting all of us together. He's like, you know, the world's greatest A&R for hip hop. And uh, so he's, he's such a great, um, you know, he's a convener. He brings us all together and uh, makes magic happen. And so I'm excited for people to see it. And I just want to slip a quick question here because, uh, you know, you just wrapped your most recent season of The Voice last month, and there is a whole lot of change coming for the show between the two new coaches, Niall and Chance, and a fi- the final season for Blake, who's been the only coach on every season of the show so far. So at first, I'm wondering, have you gotten word through the coaches group chat about how Niall and Chance are doing so far? I hear they're doing great. You know, uh, they've just done, I think, probably a couple rounds, probably by now, maybe three rounds actually by now. Um, So America's going to start seeing it pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling they're going to do a really good job this season. Uh, But, you know, of course, they'll have some very formidable competition with two of our uh, most loved coaches, uh, Blake and Kelly, Blake's final season. So it's going to be almost impossible to beat Blake probably, but... uh, I wish them the best. <laughs> I feel like every contestant is going to pick Blake because it's their last chance to do it. Yeah, um, I mean, he's been he's been the heart and soul of the show for so long. And uh, he's such fun to work with uh, for me. We're all going to miss him there. Um, well, I know we haven't even gotten to the piano version of Legend yet. But are you already working on new music? Because we always got to <laughs> ask. We always got to <laughs> ask. Somebody, the, man's, the man's next somebody, album comes Friday and we need more. Somebody already. was in my comments uh, 
because uh, I was posting about my uh, uh, skincare line and they're like, we want you to just post about music more, post about music more. And I was like, I just put a double album out in September. I'm putting a solo piano version of it out in a couple of days. I'm like, I'm being very productive musically for you all. Trust me. Uh, and uh, I'll keep making music and uh, hopefully we'll have some more great stuff soon. Um, so one last question. Um, we mentioned your busy weekend. You've got Music Cares tonight honoring Smokey and Barry. You've got Tuesday uh, honoring the Beach Boys. And you mentioned that you were part of the, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen Music Cares too. What is it like? Why do you want to be part of these, you know, tributes to these musicians? I know you are such a fan of music yourself, but like, what is it about these musicians, Barry, Smokey and Beach Boys that made you want to get involved? Well, this uh, Motown music, you know, it was the soundtrack to so many people's lives. My father grew up in the heart of that era and kind of passed on his love for Motown to us. I produced uh, uh, the Ain't Too Proud uh, Temptations musical for Broadway. I love this music. Barry and Smokey have had such an impact on my life and the music I've listened to over the years. And uh, I had to be here to honor them. And Beach Boys on Tuesday? The Beach Boys, you know, I've done uh, God Only Knows before. I did it with Cynthia Revo before. We did it as a uh, in memoriam tribute at the Grammys um, several years ago. I love the song. It's such a classic. There's so many great Beach Boys songs. They're part of the soundtrack of all of our lives, and uh, it's really fun to be able to cover them. Amazing. Well, we so appreciate your time, uh, you know, from your car at rehearsals. <laughs> like, we are really catching you in the middle of, uh, of a lot. So thank you so much for making the time for us today. Thank you. Take care. I over you forever. I'm certain. Cause I still get nervous. Oh, you Thank you so much to John Legend for taking the time to speak with us. I believe we said this in the interview, but he was literally in his car outside of Music Hair's rehearsals on Friday. Do we think he was already on site there? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. He said he was at Music Cares rehearsals. Which, I, saw, I saw like trucks behind him. I'm oh, like, yeah. Like production like trucks. No, production no. trucks were know. like going around him in the parking lot. He's got a great connection from his phone. Then Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, like satellite please, dish on top of his car. <laughs> check out that piano version of Legend coming out this Friday. And also, Mr. Legend will be taking over Billboard's Instagram on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that as well. Like literally. As in like the tomorrow? day after you hear this, if you hear it on Tuesday, Wednesday, February 8th. Oh, do, do we ever archive our Instagram? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you miss it on Wednesday, you always go back. Yeah, hopefully it. you can see it in our highlights on Instagram. I'm sure some John Legend super fan will probably tape it all and <laughs> put it onto YouTube <laughs> or something. Chrissy Teigen will. Chrissy Teigen <laughs> By the way, did you, uh, he's he's performing at Walt Disney Concert Hall in the 14th uh, and Los 15th. Angeles on the, I thought it was the 13th Oops. and 14th. 13th. On the 13th and 14th. Uh, you know, just in time for Valentine's Day. And uh, you mis- mentioned his wife, Chrissy Teigen. And when he posted uh, posted the announcement of the tour dates or the show dates on his Instagram, she commented, is this you sort of like hinting at, you know, what you're wink wink doing for Valentine's Day and you're just trying to throw me off? It was, she said something like that. Knowing them, cute. she will be front row center with the three kids. Probably, when I've yeah. seen them, when I've seen her um, him perform before, she's always there the kids are always there it's adorable uh baby might need to go backstage for a nap but i feel like the family will be there uh, by the way i haven't shared this on the podcast before but i have told katie about it i've had some of uh, chrissy teigen's uh, banana bread oh me too it was great it's very chocolatey yeah i wasn't expecting and there's if, um, if, if chrissy teigen's banana bread would like to uh, sponsor the <laughs> an episode of the show cravings? we're here for you um uh, hashtag are you, cravings are you craving <laughs> Some pop in your shop. There's a coconut <laughs> element in it, too. But, yeah, you can actually buy, like, the box and just make the box version of it. Oh. It's delicious. I just bought a slice of it from Coffee Bean. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, they have a Coffee Bean? Yeah. Oh, we, this is an ad now. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally an ad. They don't need to sponsor us. We just that. gave us free promotion. <laughs> um, all right. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Katie. It's just Quiz Katie. <laughs> Which of these former Super Bowl halftime performers has not had a number one album on the Billboard 200 Albums Chart. And we are going to maybe go a little bit farther back in time because if we cite anyone recently, they've they all, all do. They've all had a number one. And also it's a little bit too recent because you have worked here Correct. for those times. I sure didn't work here in any of these, whenever any of these people performed. All right, so we have the Blues Brothers who performed during the 1997 halftime show. 
So that was the Jim Belushi version of the Blues Brothers then, 1997. Definitely Got it. not the John Belushi version. It's just wild that that happened in 1997. Continue. Uh, Phil Collins, a performer during the 2000 halftime show. I didn't know he was on that. Gloria Estefan, hmm. who performed uh, in 1992 and in 1999. Yes. Or Patti LaBelle, who performed as part of the 1995 halftime extravaganza. Which of those four has never had a number one album on the Billboard 200 chart? Well, I have literally no idea. So this is me taking a stab in the dark, and my stab is going to be Patti LaBelle. Nope. Gloria Estefan. Gloria Estefan. That was my second guess. She's she's never had a number one album. The Blues Brothers had a number one with Briefcase Full of Blues. Phil Collins has been number one, I believe, with two different number one No Miami Sound Machine number ones, huh? Nope. Uh, Gloria did not go to number one. And Patti LaBelle was number one with uh, The Winner in You back in, I want to say, 86 or 85. All right. Gloria, that's a crime. We can can fix that. Put out like a duets album with current Latin stars. Done. Number one. (laughs) Um, Well, there you have it. A little chart stat quiz, Katie, about Super Bowl and uh, top in the Billboard 200 albums chart. All right, Katie, we've had a supersized Super Bowl. Oh, man. Big show. (laughs) I had to when I was writing the part of the script about the Super Bowl. I was like, I need to Google who's actually playing in the Super Bowl because I literally didn't know. Oh, you had to Google that? Yes. Oh, man. uh, When I was putting in all the performers, I'm like, oh, I should probably mention who the teams are. Since I've brought up uh, Calvin already uh, today, he he literally cried when the Bengals lost to um, to the Chiefs. Cried. And I was like, bro, sure, you're going to have a lot of losses in your life. Who cares about the I, listen? I'm not from Cincinnati, so who cares about the Bengals? What, what, did I, are you a Bengals? No, family? absolutely not. The uh, the Does he just like the mascot? the kids at school, I think, decided that the Bengals were their team. Now they've decided the Eagles are their team. So now we're an Eagles family. Well, it's good. They flip flop really easily. <laughs> yes, they sure do. Um, <laughs> all right. So any party words? Oh, I just wanted to mention, because it just made me think of it when I was talking about this imaginary Gloria Stefan album in my head. Uh, Did you just Google to make sure I wasn't full of it? No, I, I was just, I, the first artist that came to my mind was like, Gloria, do like a Bad Bunny song. Like, how great would that be? And then I just wanted to say, because we mentioned the Hip Hop uh, 50 performance, but my pro- my other favorite performance of the night was Bad Bunny's show opener. It was so fun. Yeah. The dancing in the audience, like those dancers grabbing Taylor Swift and Jack Harlow. And it was so fun. I loved it. I kept waiting. I, I kept waiting for it did feel like the audience was just like, wait, do we have to get up and dance? Like what? What? I feel like it like literally set the tone for the whole thing. Like, but I think they really had to force them into it. Oh, they had to force. initially they were like dancing near Taylor and Taylor's like, Taylor's hey, like I I'm guess just, I'll dance. I'll just sort of sit I here. I just don't want to get canceled for dancing. And then at the end of it, <laughs> she was finally up and dancing. It did kind of feel like it reminded me of when Justin Timberlake opened the Oscars that year. Oh, exactly. That, and people, I, that exact thought. People were like, we have to get up. It's right. Like, what? We're all well, they like. They probably should have had Bunny go through through the aisles like Justin did and get people hyped. Yeah, with people in like the big dancers and like, you know, the dresses flipping at each other (laughs) and like some acrobatic person flops into someone's lap. So I know he did two songs, but the one I do know that he for sure did. Should we go out on it? Oh, that's where this is rolling up to. Okay, you you want the show to end. On El Apagón. El Apagón? Yeah. Did I say it right? You did great. <laughs> ooh la la. Muy bueno. <laughs> I'm like, ooh la la, wrong language. Muy bien. Okay, see you guys next time. Bye. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.